Will you turn with me in your Bibles, in the book of John, the Gospel of John, and we will be today, as we continue our study throughout the book of John, in John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57, which you can also find printed in your Bibles, in your Bibles and in your bulletins. John eleven forty five through 57. This is the word of God. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go like, on, like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nations only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day, on they made plans to put him to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves, they were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That he will come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are not reading these words from your word, the Bible, in our own strength and our own understanding. Because we doubt the power of the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to see and believe your glory in what we have just read. We know, Lord, that you give us understanding through your power, not just to understand in our heads what we just read, but also to believe from our hearts, to trust in you. And that's a miracle that happened in us. So we pray together as Christians for those among us who still don't have that understanding. We pray that they might hear your word proclaimed today, that they might believe 
that they might trust in you for salvation and that we might rejoice with them at what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are 195 countries in the world, according to the UN, but there are many or different opinions on that. Some people will say that there are more than that, 200 and something, so don't quote me on that. That's not the main point. The main point is that as there are many countries, uh, we can see many cultures, many differences between one country and another. If you were going to Colombia, you will say, or you will hear that Medellin, I would think I will compare it like Texas here, that it's almost like a known country with a known culture in some respects. Um, you can see the differences between views and ideas and ways of living, even in the states, on United States, and in the cities, in different countries around the world. But one thing that you will see common in all the residents and citizens of every country and state is that the residents and citizens of a nation or a state or a city, they want their leaders to help them to have a better life. They look forward to those they put in place uh, to rule the nation or the state, that they will do their best to protect their rights and to make things good for them. They all desire that. We all desire that, that that will happen. At the same time, there is also something common to all the countries, nations, and states. And here I don't want to generalize to say that all politicians are corrupt. But you will say that most of the leaders, or majority, or a good number of leaders around the world, states, nations, they are looking for their own interests. That their main concern sometimes is not so much that people are doing well, but that they stay in power and that they do well where they are. Sadly, that wasn't that different compared to Jesus' time and the religious leaders. Their main concern was know that the people of Israel, the people that they were uh, there to uh, help them and protect them and, and guide them, will do well, but their main concern was that they will do well. You see that very clear in the passage that we're reading today when Caiaphas, Caiaphas uh, will say, it is better for you. It is better for you, better for you, the religious leaders, to do something about what Jesus is doing. Why? Because what Jesus was doing was creating problems for them. Jesus was doing signs, wonders that nobody have ever done before. And he was preaching as one who had authority compared with them that they didn't preach or talk as people who had authority because their life didn't reflect their message. And they didn't know what to do about Jesus. In fact, what they didn't know is what to do about the glory of Christ that was displayed in everything that Jesus was doing. That it was evident to everyone that Christ was God because of the things that he was doing. 
So they were at all costs suppressing the truth. And they were suppressing the truth because in their minds, what Jesus was doing will actually take power away from them. It was becoming inconvenient for their power, their comfort, the respect that they enjoy. And that's what we're seeing here in these verses, how they are reacting to Jesus because they had another God. And that God was power. That God was control. And Jesus was becoming inconvenient for them. So what i like us to see, not just from these verses, but from the verses that we looked at last week, is the glory of Christ displayed in Lazarus' death and resurrection, and the glory of Christ displayed in his own death and resurrection. The glory of Christ displayed in Lazarus' death and resurrection, and the glory of Christ displayed in his own death and resurrection. First of all, we start with the fact that the first thing that Jesus says when he learned that his friend Lazarus, his good friend Lazarus, the one he loved, was ill, is that he revealed to the messengers, to his disciples, to all around, that his illness will not lead to death, but to the glory of God, and that the Son of God will be glorified. And we also learned the same situation, or very similar, with the illness, or the, yes, the illness that the man, the man who was blind had from birth. That he wasn't blind because of the sin of his parents, of his own sin, but that the works of God will be also make visible to people. From that very moment, you can see that Jesus was in control of all circumstances. That when Jesus is addressing Lazarus' illness and death, he is not responding to a crisis. Jesus had, as part of his plan, that the blind man will be ill and that Lazarus will die so people could have a glimpse of his glory. But why was he so interested in people knowing his glory? Well, first of all, if you will see Jesus walking, you will see a man, 100% man. And he was no a start like the starts of our time that people are looking at them and admiring them. He was just a simple man. But, of course, his life and his testimony, the way he lived, his righteousness, I think at least for those around, those around Jesus, those who saw him growing up as a righteous boy and a righteous man will attract the attention of people. But Jesus needed to make sure that people knew who he was because Jesus is God. And you, in order to be saved, you need to believe in Jesus. And believing in Jesus implies that you also need to believe not only that he went to the cross and died for you on the cross, but you need to confess that Jesus is God. 
You cannot say simply that he was a good prophet or a good man or a man who gave his life for his people. But Jesus is God because he revealed to everybody that he was God. And Jesus needed to make known his glory so that people could believe in him for what he was, God incarnate. Jesus, who took flesh, came to the world and took flesh. Now we see in Jesus' words something very important when he responded to Martha, who was nervous about Jesus or about people opening the tomb. And and she said, there is odor. Let us not open the tomb. Because Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Jesus didn't say, did not I tell you that if you believe, I will show you the glory of God? The sign, the miracle that he was about to do did not depend on Martha's faith because it was already planned by God to show his glory. The only thing that changed is if you believe, you are able to see the glory of God. Because the glory of God there was evident to everyone who was at that place, at that moment, when Jesus raised Lazarus. What makes the difference is that if you believe, you can see it. If you do not believe, you will not see it, even if it's in front of you. And here we see these glorious words from Jesus, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And John tells us that the man who had died came out. I don't know about you, but I wonder why we do not have more about what happened there inside that tomb. What happened afterwards, after Lazarus came out and he saw Jesus for the first time? What did he think? What did he say? What did Martha and Mary say? What did the disciples say? What did everybody say? And of course, we know that we are told by the gospel that some believe and some just did not believe. But at least I have... Many questions, and I believe, and I trust God that that's what God wanted us to believe and to know. But I will say that there are some things that we, we're safe to assume that happened there. Think for a moment, and I think this is very important for you to think when you see the glory of God revealed in Lazarus' death and resurrection that the man who was inside that tomb, his soul had departed from him four days ago. That there was no soul in Lazarus. Because that's what death is, is the separation of the soul and the body. Therefore, you had there inside that tomb just a body. And that the heart of this man had stopped working, And as a result of that, blood stopped 
running throughout his body. All his organs fell, kidneys, livers, lungs. Think about that. You, you only need one organ to fail, so you die. All the organs. And we don't know exactly what kind of illness he had, but we know that by that point, all his organs were dumb. His heart was dumb. And his body was starting to decompose. Martha was right. There should be order in that tomb when they open that tomb. And think about what God does, what Jesus does when he reversed all these things with these words, Lazarus, come out. The soul of this man came back to this body. And we're not seeing just healing here happening, but it's resurrection in every single part of this body. And the odor is gone. Because there is no complaints when they open the tomb. What you see there is the glory of Christ displayed in front of everyone who was right there. And I think, and the only reason why I, I, I'm taking a pause and I'm encouraging, encouraging you to think about these things that are not told to us in the Word of God, it is because they happened, because that what happened in order for Lazarus to be raised, resurrected, and it's important that you realize that it was something really amazing. That Martha and Mary think about their reaction when they see their brother walking out of that tomb. Think about Lazarus' reaction and thinking when he's walking out of that tomb and he sees Jesus. He sees the face of his Savior, the face of his Lord. And think about everybody around that tomb, what they thought, what they felt when they saw this man walking out of that tomb. You will expect that everybody believe because the glory of Christ is displayed there. You see Lazarus coming out, yet you see two different responses. Some of the Jews, therefore, who have come with Mary and have seen what he did, believed in him. Again, this falls short to describe what they thought, what they felt when they saw Lazarus walking out of that tomb. Some of those Jews came not knowing, not even thinking, nobody there thought that Jesus would do what he did. And they saw God's power at hand. They saw that he who is the resurrection and the life, as he told Martha, show his power to give life and to bring back to to life a person who have died. Therefore, they believed in Jesus. What did they believe? Of course, they, they had so much to learn about him. Even Martha, remember, Jesus asked, do you believe this? 
that I am the resurrection of the life. And Martha says, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, that you are the Messiah, that you are the Son of God, that you are the one who is coming to the world. Yet she told Jesus, Lord, there is odor in that tomb. Do not open that tomb. So those who believe still have a long way to grow and understand if Jesus' disciples also have to understand who he was, but they believed because they saw the glory of Christ. Why did they see the glory of Christ? Because they believed. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And if you remember the story, what we have here is that some of the Jews have come from Jerusalem to visit Martha and Mary in Bethany because they knew the family. And some of these are among the Jews probably who were not happy with Jesus. They are coming back to Jerusalem to bring a report to the religious leaders. I don't want to speculate, but think about what they were thinking. How could they explain what, they, what just had happened? How could they deny what they saw with their own eyes? Maybe it was all a play. Maybe Lazarus wasn't dead after all. These are probably all the kind of things that they thought because they could not see that man and believe that he was dead and now alive and not realize that Jesus was the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. So we see again the glory of Christ, not only in Lazarus' resurrection, but in Lazarus' death. Why? Because from beginning till the end, it was God's plan to show his glory. So that, as he told his own disciples, I rejoice that I wasn't there so that you might believe. So that they might believe. The whole point of Christ's miracles and signs and wonders were that people could believe that he was God. And by believing in him and trusting in what he did on the cross, they could be saved. Now let's move on to Christ's glory revealed in his death and resurrection. The chief priests and the Pharisees gather the council. The council will be the Sanhedrin, a Greek word that comes, like a Greek word that basically describes an assembly and a council of 70 elders plus the high priest. They all gather together to discuss the report that they heard from the Jews that came back from Bethany. And they have this question. What are we to do? Which actually, if, we, you, if you read the question as it should be translated, it should be, what are we doing? What are we doing? And they ask that question is because things are getting out of control. Think about what happened with the blind man who was healed by Jesus. They tried different ways to make this man deny that Jesus actually healed him. They tried even to go to his parents to make his parents deny that probably he was blind. And they couldn't stop this man to confess 
that Jesus healed him. They tried to stone the man, Jesus, and he left. What are we doing? This is getting out of control. And what is the problem? The problem is that they are not saying that Jesus is faking it, that Jesus is deceiving people. That's not, that's not what they believe. He says, for this man performed many signs. The problem is that Jesus is performing many signs. Know that they believe that those signs were fake. Remember that they themselves said, we don't have a problem with what you are doing. We, are problem, we have a problem with what you are saying because you are saying that you are the son of God. Why? Because they couldn't explain. They didn't have any rational explanation to, to deny what Jesus was doing. It was evident. The glory of Christ was revealed to them. And what is their concern? If we let him go like this, if he continue to make these signs, everybody will believe in him. How about then? Couldn't they believe in him as well? I mean, if they see the glory of Christ and they recognize that these are signs done with real power, why could not they believe in him as well? They were afraid that people will believe in him because they are probably afraid that they might end believing in him because they don't have a way to deny what Jesus is doing. But what is their problem? The problem is no the signs. The problem is what they fear. They fear that the Romans will come and take away both our place, which might mean the temple, which they were allowed to have. And remember, they were the administrator of that. Therefore, they have the religious power to, to control that. They will take our place. Maybe when they say our place, they... They try to, to tell people around our place is our place and your place. We the religious leaders and you, because that's how sometimes leaders talk in order to convince people that they are after their interest. But maybe they are talking about our place is their place, their position, and our nation. Because the Romans has allowed them to uh, practice Judaism and then the religious leaders to be in charge of that. So they were concerned. They were concerned that they would lose power. But there is one Caiaphas who was a high priest that year. Actually, it doesn't mean that he was a high priest for one year because he was a high priest from the uh, 18 AD to 36 AD. It might mean that year when Jesus Christ is sacrificed, when Jesus Christ gave his life, he's the high priest. And he said, you know nothing at all. In other words, he said, yes, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Are you going to do something to stop this or not? And then he says these words. It is better for you and you could hear this as if he's saying, it's better for you, Israel, nation, the Jews, all. But you can also hear this, it's better for you, religious leaders, 
who are in charge and you are losing power, that a man should die and the word that we have here for should die is actually should be sacrificed for the people. Know that the whole nation should perish. It is better for you that we kill Jesus and we do not lose control. And we do not lose our temple, our place, our nation. It is better that we do something about it with our hands. That we kill an innocent man. That we sacrifice one man so we can continue to have control. But here we see, again, the sovereignty of God, the glory of God, the glory of Christ in his death and resurrection. Because when Caiaphas said those words, he didn't say these words in his own accord. He was the high priest, and he basically prophesied what will happen. That Jesus will die for the nation. But not only for one nation, as they have thought, but he will die to gather together those scattered abroad, Gentiles and Jews, to be saved through his sacrifice, through his substitution on the cross, where he paid, where he received the punishment that we deserved so that we will be saved. So you can see the glory of God and Christ from the beginning, that is Christ and God who is in control of everything that is happening. That even the Jews thought that they were actually doing something about it. And then killing Jesus when Jesus, in fact, has come to give his life on the cross for our salvation. And they were only executing what God has appointed to happen before the foundation of the world. That one man will die not only for one nation, but for those he has chosen from all the nations of the world, Jews and Greeks, Gentiles and Jews, because they are saved through his work on the cross. It is also the glory of Christ because some people might see Jesus on the cross as a leader who was defeated. But Jesus came back to life because he was the one who said, in thy hands I give my spirit. He was the one who delivered his spirit to God and he was the one who returned to his body. He was always in control. Yet, What was their response? What they were ready to do? From that day, they made plans to put him to death. Because they were not able to see the glory of Christ. They were not able to see the glory of Christ. Of course, they they didn't imagine, Caiaphas didn't imagine, and those around, that he was actually prophesying what Jesus have come to do. But not even after Jesus' death, because you know that they went 
after Jesus' disciples to put them in prison because they were not able to see the glory of Christ. Now, if you have seen the glory of Christ even 2,000 years afterwards, after this event happened, you have a wonderful privilege. It is because, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, that only those who are born of the Spirit are able to see and enter into the kingdom of God. So if you are here today, you read this passage, think about this, and you believed something that they could not believe when they saw it with their own eyes. Because you live by faith and not by sight. And living by faith is a powerful thing. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that Christ has done in you, that he has revealed to you his glory. That in his death and resurrection, you see the glorious Jesus. That's why we gather together to worship on the Lord's Day. We're worshiping God on the Lord's Day because we're celebrating his victory on the cross. You see the glory of Christ because of the mercy Christ has had on you. But if you are here today and you might not have yet believed, my prayer, our prayer as brothers and sisters is that the Holy Spirit come upon you and empower you to see the glory of Christ in these words. Because if you see them, if you believed, you will have eternal life. Only if you see this with faith, you will have eternal life. And that's our prayer, that you believe in the glorious Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace that you have had with us. We were dead in our sins and trespasses at some point in our lives, and you gave us new life in Christ and empowered us to believe. And now, Lord Jesus, we proclaim together that you are our Lord, our Savior, our God, our King, because of what you have done. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and gave your life on the cross to save us from eternal condemnation. And we pray, Lord, for our friends, for those who are hearing these words, here or wherever they are, that you might transform their hearts and give them the gift of faith so that they might be able to see your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.